Can you guess the number one reason for patient safety error? Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. Hello, I'm Stephen Clark. A recent report shows that the average hospitalized patient is subject to at least one medication error per day. As many as 50% of medication errors are believed to result during handoffs when patients are either admitted, transferred, or discharged. Of these medication errors, about 20% are said to result in harm. With us today to discuss the issue of medication is Dr. Amanda Rampersad, a Transitions of Care clinical pharmacist at SBH Health System. Welcome, Dr. Rampersad. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me today. And I guess when we're talking about transitions of care, I think we're talking about handoffs, right? Absolutely. Handoffs between the levels of care and also between different institutions and different organizations as well. Patients are seen all across the continuum of care. Let's start by talking about the elderly, which I'm assuming is the most vulnerable population that we deal with. Um, obviously, elderly patients see different physicians, someone for their heart, someone for their feet, Absolutely. someone for their eyes, another for stomach issues. It's got to be tough trying to keep their medication straight, right? Oh, absolutely, Steve. Um, our elderly population is subject, the most vulnerable population, and they're the, the population that is most often subject to polypharmacy and duplicate therapies and, you know, uh, you know, inappropriate therapy altogether for their age and their weight and their, you know, kidney function and all of those things. So, you know, they're always coming up with with different you know medications for these elderly patients and you know sometimes it really takes a lot of eyes to be able to review these these medications and these regimens and therapies and to make sure that they're appropriate one and two that they're optimal that they're they're you know in doing what they're intended to do I mean I've read that the average elderly person may take between 9 and 12 medications a day plus supplements over-the-counter medications. I mean, that's a lot to keep track of. Oh, absolutely. For our elderly patients, it's it's more than than a lot to keep track of. You know, oftentimes the patients that I interact with tell me, you know, it's just such a burden to keep up with the amount of medications that that I'm, you know, being prescribed and the amount of medications that I have to take on a daily basis. And you know, oftentimes it's not just medications that they're going to take one time a day. It's medications that they have to take multiple times a day, and sometimes it involves them even injecting themselves and 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 you know having to do really you know difficult things, and you know keeping on track of all of this you know is just part of the battle. Well, that's your job. <laughs> How do you keep track? <laughs> right. So um, you know, I always advise the patients that I interact with and the patients I see and their caregivers as well to make sure that they always keep consistent lists of medications that the patients are currently mm. taking. And you know, you always are encouraged to update that list as the medications change. You know, and it's it's very important to keep that with the patient and for the caregivers to keep it as well at all times because you never know what may happen and when it may happen. So that's one of the first piece of, of advice that I like to give my patients and their family members. Always keep a list with you, an up-to-date accurate list. And you know, at minimum, the name of the medication, the dose, the strength, you know, and the instructions for use. And I guess you should keep it proactively because mm -hmm. you don't know when you're going to end up in the hospital, right? Absolutely. So it's, you know, anytime a change is made to your medication regimen, it's imperative that you, you, you know, update your list 
and you know you remove what was on there before and you put what the new medication is and I always tell them you know at the bottom of that list you can keep a note of well you know I was on this med before but it was switched to this medication just so that going forward the next clinician or practitioner that you encounter has a clear picture of exactly what your med history is and you know what your comorbs are what your comorbidities are what your your you know your health issues are Mm -hmm. I know one thing that is interesting to me is that at St. Barnabas Hospital, they have pharmacists embedded on different patient floors, in the ICU, in the ED, in the Center for Comprehensive Care. We have a diabetes center, Mm -hmm. asthma. That must make a real difference. Oh, absolutely, Steve. That is, you know... One of the greatest things a pharmacist can do is is provide this this medication uh, adherence and 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 compliance uh, assessments to make sure that the the patients are taking the medications as they should, and to make sure that what they're on is actually appropriate. You know, so being in these different patient care areas, the pharmacist actually plays a very integral role in making sure that the medication reconciliation process is followed out accordingly and that it is done appropriately and consistently 100% of the time for every single one of the patients, you know, that come through the SBH health system and as well as any other uh, healthcare facility, be it a clinic, be it another hospital, you know, medication reconciliation is, is probably one of the most important things that needs to be done at every single visit. You know, every time you encounter a patient, and and that's because it's constantly changing. You know, meds are constantly changing. Medications are, are constantly being removed and added, and doses are constantly being adjusted. And if you know, you think it's trying for the patient to be able to keep up with that. For the healthcare facility, is also very a, a difficult issue for them to keep up with as well, because it's it's hard to compile accurate lists when patients have multiple providers across the spectrum. You know, so it's, it, it does prove to be a challenge, but pharmacists are uniquely positioned to be able to help with that challenge and to be able to, um, you know, get these med histories from these patients. Let's talk um, more specifically. Sure. Let's take a case study. I mean, we're not going to mm-hmm. breach anyone's HIPAA right. regulations here, but give me an example of how the patient coming into the hospital uh, and what, you know, their medications may be and how you get involved. Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm part of the internal medicine team, usually on the med surge units here at SBH. And what happens is a patient is admitted. A lot of the times the admitting physician or the admitting resident is usually the one that is tasked with obtaining that medication history and, you know, doing that medication reconciliation. But in a perfect world, we all know that that would be great 100% of the time. But sometimes, you know, it is not always possible at that point. So when I get my patients and I get the list of patients that I'm going to be seeing for that day, you know, with the medical team in conjunction with them, what I'll do is I will review the med rec to make sure that it was done appropriately, to make sure that the list that's in the system that we're seeing is an accurate list. Uh, Oftentimes that will, you know, require the pharmacist and, and myself to call the patient's pharmacy to make sure that that, you know, what we have is an accurate representation. Um, it'll sometimes, in, you know, require us to call the patient's uh, provider, their primary care provider, and say, you know, such and such is admitted to the institution today, and um, for you know this reason, and we need to follow up. We need to know what meds the patient is taking, so that you know we can start medications in the institutional setting as appropriate. Um, so you know that's part of what I do. Sometimes I'll call pharmacies, I'll call doctors. You know, I'll check Bronx Rio because we are integrated with Bronx Rio as a health system. You know, to see you know this patient was seen in Montefiore a month ago. Does Montefiore have any you know history that they were able to acquire for this patient? And you know, oftentimes our patients come in and they don't have 
a list of medications. They don't even have their pill bottles with them or something that we could reference. So what do you do in that case? So in that case, Steve, you know, a lot, if you're thinking about it coming through the ED, sometimes these patients may be unconscious. They may not, you know, be able, they're not maybe nonverbal. And you have to make your best faith effort to get a medication history for that patient because otherwise you will not know what meds they're on at home and you will not know what their comorbidities are, what their health issues are. So you're basically playing detective in a lot of cases. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes that's what it feels like, detective work. You're you're trying to identify medications from various sources of information and to make sure that it's accurate because, you know, not doing MedRec affects patient safety in so many different ways, but the most important of those ways is the fact that, you know, you affect patient safety and you can prevent med errors by actually doing an appropriate uh, medication reconciliation and making no making sure you know what that med history is. You know, and a lot of times reconciling is not just obtaining the med history. Um, it's making sure that you're starting and stopping those medication orders as appropriate pursuant to, you know, whatever the patient may have come in with. You know, they came in with high blood pressure and they're on a load of, of antihypertensive at, at home already. You want to know what they're already taking before you think to start additional medications. Uh, so that's why it is, it's crucial that we do this 100% of the time and that it's done with our best faith effort. It's not always going to be perfect and it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be challenges and there may be things that we miss, but that mm -hmm. is all part of, of making sure that we put that effort in and that, you know, we try to cover all of our bases, being calling the pharmacy, calling a provider, calling, you know, a, the patient caregiver, you know, as appropriate. Um, you know, a lot of our patients are elderly and they do have caregivers that take care of them and are, are aware of their meds and, and know it even better than the patient does. So it's appropriate to involve the patient caregivers and and to you know to make sure that everyone's in the, the same on the same page and we're all understanding of what the patient is taking and what they need. Now I, I know you work on a patient floor, but I know in outpatients there's also the real problem with compliance. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I so, mean, what do you do? I mean, if somebody mm -hmm. goes to a pharmacy and they find out their insurance won't cover it, um, or they they can't afford it, mm -hmm. and suddenly they come in a month later and they say, you know what? Um, I didn't take my insulin this month because I couldn't afford it. I took half of it. Right. How does a pharmacist do you deal with that? So uh, another um, side to what I do with my uh, as uh, on a daily basis in my practice here at SBH is I'm the transitions of care clinical coordinator as well. So along with what you're saying and the patient on the outpatient setting, you know I. And try to ensure that all of the patients that are discharged from SBH are discharged with the appropriate medications and have the appropriate access to the medications. So that's not something that's often thought of very much in the discharge process. You know, our providers, you know, on you know, just in general, and it's like this everywhere, providers will send their prescriptions to the pharmacy of the patient's choice. And sometimes you don't really know, is the patient going to pick this medication up? Is this medication even going to be covered? Uh, you know, is, are they going to even be able to afford it? Because there's times when it's covered by the insurance, but the co-pays are so high that they have, you know, no means of being able to afford it. So a lot of times what happens is just as you said, the patient will go to the pharmacy. The pharmacy will tell them, well, you have a $200 copay. This one in, uh, insulin injection is very expensive, unfortunately. And they're left in a situation where they can't afford it. They don't have the appropriate access to it. And they're essentially being, you know, un, you know, not treated. They're not being medicated appropriately. And then they come back into the institution the next time for, you know, 
an exacerbation of their issue of some sort. And it's sort of a cycle. Right. It's sort of a cycle. And as a transition of care pharmacist, you have to be able to break that cycle. So a lot of what I do is address med access issues. And I make sure that when a patient is being discharged, the medications that they're being discharged on are appropriate and that they can afford them and that they are covered by their insurance. So a lot of the times we reach out to our physicians here at SPH, you know, sometimes quite often, and we'll say, can you please switch this medication? Or can you please right. provide a, you know, a, a script for a different medication altogether because this one isn't covered? This may not be covered, but I'm sure this is covered because I verified for you already that it is. Please send a different prescription. Or, you know, you may have sent the inappropriate dose to something and I, I come across it and I'm able to reach out and say, please switch the dose of this to this as it is the recommended dose at this time. So those are just a few areas where I can get involved and where I do get involved. You know, at SBH, we do run, um, well, I do run the uh, Meds to Beds program here, right. uh, where we try to have all of our patients that are being discharged from the institution uh, discharged with their medications at bedside before they leave the hospital. So, you know, at least for that 30 days, I can rest at ease knowing that, you know, they have the medications that they need when they in hand prior to leaving yeah. the institution. Yeah, what, what also I found interesting is that you also run interference with the insurance companies. Oh, absolutely. Right, so that's another uh, issue. Uh, not, I wouldn't call it an issue, actually. It's another part of what we do as pharmacists. You know, A lot of times insurance companies will cover a medication, but they want a prior authorization for it. And our physicians know how timely that is and how, how long and hard of grueling of a process that can be to get a medication covered for a patient. Sometimes it requires a lot of paperwork, a lot of documentation, a lot of um, you know, follow-up to get it covered. And you know, I try to help in that sense. I try to intervene with those types of things. And I'll have the physicians you know, reach out to me, say, you know, I have this patient. They need to go home on this medication. It's not covered for whatever reason. Would you be able to help with that, right. you know, with that process? And a lot of the times we are able to help because we know what is needed to get the medication covered, what documents are needed, what paperwork is needed to be filled out, you know, and the people that you need to speak to to get it covered. So, and we all know medications can be extremely, extremely expensive. Right. Um, and for the population that we serve at SBH, sometimes it is probably one of their biggest challenges in getting the appropriate care that they need and appropriate uh, management, med management that they need. So it's it's definitely an area where I try to focus very heavily um, to make sure that, you know, before they leave, they have their meds. And, and a, the other part to that, too, is that you want to make sure that they know what they're going to be taking, right. you know, and that the meds are communicated to them in a way. Here at SBH, our nurses actually man the education process, um, but I like to to supplement that process. And, you know, I encourage our physicians to um, consult me, reach out to me, you know, and with difficult cases, especially patients who you know have been admitted because they have not been adhering or there's lack of compliance with their medications. I love to get involved with those patients because, you know, you give them a different uh, aspect of it all and the importance. You're able to educate them in a different way than your physicians or your nurses right. are because you know the medications and you know the benefits that they have for them. So I find that oftentimes it helps when, you know, a nurse can educate and a doctor may be able to educate as well, but I think it, it in, it's different for the patient when a pharmacist comes in and says, well, you know, I'm usually the gatekeeper of medications. Pharmacists are the gatekeepers of medications and, you know, we know what it can and cannot do and what the side effects are and best, more knowledgeable in terms of being able to relate to the patient in that way. 
You know, I, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you one more question. Sure. We have a very fancy piece of technology <laughs> on the seventh floor of the pharmacy mm-hmm. department. Just tell us quickly about that. So the Riva is for, um, that's the technology that you're referring to, and that is actually a automated robot in some sense. And what that does actually is it will batch IV preparations in the place of a pharmacist. So the Riva is probably one of the most um, updated and advanced uh, technologies that you can have in an uh, in an IV you know in an IV room and in, in any institution in, in any pharmacy department of any institution it's um, highly advanced very technical and it reduces the likelihood of medication errors, absolutely right? reduces the likely likelihood of medication errors it is it's, you know spot on when it makes these these IVs and you know it it really allows for help in that sense to the IV pharmacist because it can batch, you know, sometimes we can batch 20 bags of something in, in, in half the time that it would take a pharmacist uh, to be able to do that. So it is a very useful piece of technology that we have in the uh, uh, hospital. And, and this is the only one in the entire city, right? Yeah, absolutely. Where uh, SBH um, IV room is probably one of the only rooms you'll ever see that in as to date, from to what I know at least, um, we're the only hospital in the area that has it. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, I want to thank you, Dr. Rabersad, for joining us today on SBH Bronx Health Talk. Thank Uh, you. For more information on services available at SBH Health System, visit www.sbhny.org. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, Steve, for having me. I really appreciated it. And, uh, you know, physicians, you know, nurses, anyone that needs any type of uh, help or any additional services, please reach out to me. You can find me in the pharmacy department and um, you all pretty much have my number. It's it's everywhere. Um, so I encourage you all to consult me. Okay, well, thank you again and thank you uh, for joining us until next time.